Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I want to welcome everyone on this beautiful morning. Let's, um, we'll pray one more time, but uh, the lessons we do, this series is on following Jesus. And... Um, Today's lesson is not stopped by rejection. So this is a lesson on something. That, well, every lesson is something that everyone can relate to. But I know today's lesson is something that everyone can relate to because we have all faced, know what rejection feels like at some time or another. We have all felt rejection. So this is what we're going to learn about, and we're going to study from a man that, know, that knows rejection better than any one of us will ever know. So let's pray. God of heaven, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word, most of all. We ask you this day, as we look into this word, Lord God, that you open our minds, our hearts, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would let this word just strengthen our hearts and our minds, Lord Jesus. Touch us this day. Give us strength. Give us anointing. Oh, God, minister to each and every one, Lord God. Touch the Sunday school. Each and every bit of ministering that will go forth today. We need you, God. We need your anointing to be placed upon us, Lord God. Have your way this day, God. We will ask in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is something about when... I will just say today, um, in the media world in which we live, um, it is, I drive back into the work and it is amazing at the people you pass that their eyes is very seldom ever on the road. They're on their phone. And so of young people especially, but they're not the only ones that's caught up in this that can be so good at feeling good and they read one bad review against them and it just demolished their whole world. And it's, it, what does it really matter? Um, there was something um, I have always loved, um, m motorcycles, I couldn't even hardly say it, motorcycles. <laughs> Y'all are having a bad, <laughs> a bad thing on me. But, um, and this last weekend, there was a, a race that happened, and there was an incident, and naturally the one that comes out that had the bad rap, I listened to him, and he says, you know what I do? I just put my phone down. I don't read all the bad reviews that people say about me, but the... The person interviewing him said, yeah, but you still have to live. He said, yes, but I don't have to read what they 
say. And it, it, it's truth, but that is just, we talk, I was talking about young people, but you go up to our age and just people in general, we know the feeling of rejection. We know what it feels like. It hurts. It really does. And what the story is about, the lesson is about this is not stopped by rejection. And here the Bible says the Lord came into his own and his own received him not. And his own, you could look at that two ways that he came to Israel. But let's go further with that. He came into his own. He came to humanity and humanity received him not. And I'm telling you, when your own family rejects you, I'm telling you, that's a hurt that does not go away. And that's spoken from a human perspective. And here, God, we got, we, we fixing to read this, but here is the beginning. God is, uh, we're just saying 30 years old. That's when they began their ministry. This is um, Luke 4. Is he's, he's went through the temptation. He overed it, and he's... He's come, he's, he's, now he's in Nazareth, Nazareth, which is his hometown. And he goes, and man, the first thing they want to do is praise him because of all of his good words. And then they, he speaks of Elijah and Elisha, and then they want to throw him off a cliff. This is his very beginning, and this is his hometown. And we know what it's like to see people that they have been, you know, so-and-so, they lived here that's proud of the people that come from their small town or wherever they lived and proud of the people put up billboards and signs. But here Jesus goes back to where the Bible says where he was brought up. And they just thought it was so pretty. The Bible even says about, you know, they, oh, his gracious words. But they changed awful quick. And But... The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points as we, you know, as we are going to be tempted. But when you look that up, all points, that means every conceivable way that we can be tempted, he was tempted. And so um, God just knows how to deal with us. And he knows the situations that we are in. That's why I'm saying whatever state that you're in. Wherever you're at, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, when you come to church, it does not matter, and I, and I say that light, uh, not lightly, it does not matter what is being spoken. You listen for God to speak to you. And what I wanted to bring out is, is, is let's read the, the two verses that it gives in our lesson is 18 and 19, but this is, I want to go, I want to start actually with 16. And so Jesus, after his temptation, he goes to Galilee. The Bible says he was in the power of the Holy Ghost or power of the Spirit in the Galilee. Then 16 says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. The people knew him. They knew him. So he had been there. He's 30 years old. He had, he had been there, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, there's, for as his custom was, I'm going to just speculate on that. They began their ministry when he was 30 years old. 
Some, you read, as their custom was, naturally, they stand up to read. Then they, as a minister, was, was ministering on the word. As we would say, they were seated. But he's 30 years old. He goes there. As they begin, they would let someone that's obtained to this age stand up to read. I'm assuming this happened. If it didn't, what does it matter? But all I'm saying, it says, as their custom was. It could be pertaining to, they stood up to read. But what I want to point out is where he had been brought up. They knew him. So then, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place wherein it was written. Now, this is a point I want to make. This is a point this is a place in scripture that I look for. That's why I say when you come to church, if you have a need in any area, and we all have needs, okay? He found the place where it was written. Okay, this was Jesus. Who does the Bible says Jesus was? God manifested in the flesh. 700 years before this, God anoints Isaiah to pen these words. This is taken from the 61st, 61st chapter of Isaiah. So why do you think this needs to be placed in there? He found the place where it was written. He didn't need to find the place where it was written. He anointed Isaiah 700 years ago. Uh, this is mercy. He, the reason I believe that the Bible records this, he found the place where, he took the scroll and found the place where it was written because simply he knew their love for his word. That's why he took the time, he went through their custom, he found the place where he had anointed Isaiah earlier to pin the words that he quoted. So that's why I said, it's, it's just we can't come to church and have something really bugging us, and God not give us a word. That's why if you come in and, and you know, I, I got, you know, my third toe on my left foot is hurting. There's nothing I'm going to find at church that's going to help me. Well, you just, don't call me cruel. You just go home feeling that. If my third toe on my left foot is hurting me, talk to me, God. Somehow, some way, let me know. So we always just read this. But when you read this, think. God, for their sake, found the place where it was written. And this is what he said, which he already knew it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, he found it. He read it to them. And they're all, they're all like, wow. 20. He closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And all of the eyes that was in the, in the synagogue were fastened upon them. And then here Jesus finishes it. He says in 21, and, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in, in your ears. If you wonder who I am, I am the Messiah that I anointed this man, the prince of the prophets, to write about. 
I am that person. And then that's where all of a sudden that they bear witness in 22 and wondered at his gracious words proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? They recognized him. They said, here's Jesus. And all these words he's quoting from Isaiah. Wow. They actually feel good. He's quoting from Isaiah. We know Isaiah. We know him from 700 years ago in reading of the words. So he is saying this. And the Lord is, 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 is giving this. And one thing that we have to remember. That's why when we come to church, whatever we do. Our anointing is not based on people's acceptance. If you do whatever you do for the Lord, do not base it on what people says to you when you're done. I'll use me. When I'm said and done and it's over, nobody says a word to me. And I go home thinking, wow. (laughs) Do you know the hours I spent studying? That's not what it's about. I'll have my, where I just close, close the book and say, what's the use? The anointing comes from God. Because when I make it about what you say, then it's, then I'm just, I'm, I'm missing it. The anointing come from God. And that's where our strength is going to come from. Not what people says about us. And you could take that to the negative side. If they're telling you, you're the sorriest thing that ever come down the pipe. So What? If God has anointed you with a dream and you're fulfilling that dream, it doesn't matter what they say. They rejected him. They're going to reject us the same way. So he, he, he does this. He goes on. And, and I'll skip a little bit here because I'm going to come back to it later. And then he tells them uh, about the physician. And then I'm going to skip all the way down uh, to 28. And all they... All And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they was filled with wrath, rose up, thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill, whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But this is what's troubling. Verse 30. But he passed through the midst of them and went his way. When you look it up, it literally means he walked right through the middle of them. That is amazing. That is truly amazing. It didn't say he disappeared. All of a sudden, the people that loved his gracious words so much, this has to be a caution to us. We can't let something just get in our crawl and stick at us and just get us riled up so much because Jesus can literally walk through the midst of us and us not even know it. This is where it began with him. That's, why, that's what I'm saying. We're going to study from a man. This is his beginning. They want to throw him off a cliff. When you go to the end of his life, and they take and be as cruel as they can, literally, when they just open themselves up and let the darkness in and just do unimaginable things to God manifested in the flesh, I think we're studying about somebody that knows rejection. He knows rejection. He knows what it's like to be rejected. The people knew him. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? He's asking the question, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I believe 
The first question, who has believed our report? This is Isaiah saying, Lord, who has believed our report? Who is going to believe that God is going to be manifested in the flesh? Well, there's going to be people that believe that. I'm looking at a few of them here right now. And then he said, to whom is the arm of the Lord going to be revealed? And I think the answer is that. Answer to that is those that would believe his truth. That is to whom the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord is going to be revealed. And it's just God knows how to protect us. I I was listening um, this past week, and it's just a story, uh, a true story that I heard. Uh, There's this ship, uh, this massive ship, he's out, and the captain starts noticing this light that's in their path. So he gets a signal man, he says, signal them and tell them, they need to move. So the signal guy signals and tells them, you need to move 10 degrees north. The signal comes back and says, you need to move 10 degrees south. So the captain says, radio this back. So he tells them, I am the captain of this vessel. You move 10 degrees north. And they said, comes back, nope, you move 10 degrees south. So finally, one last, he said, send this one last message. So the captain takes and sends one last message. And he says, you move 10 degrees north, for I am a battleship. The message comes back and says, no, you move 10 degrees south, because I am the lighthouse. And that's the way, that's why I say, when we come to church, it doesn't matter what's wrong. You listen for God. Because God has a way of getting things across to us, no matter what's going on. He knows about rejection. He knows what it feels like. He knows the hurt and the pain. Literally, literally what it feels like. And it's just, we may not admit it, and we may not say it don't hurt or what, or I don't care what they say about me. It doesn't bother me. Right. Right. Jesus, if you go off somewhere and come back, we know what it feels like to come back home. I'm sure that the Bible tells us that Jesus was man. He was also God. But it was also, I imagine, a privilege and an honor to come back home. So when he came back and he, he went to the synagogue, he's in there. And, you know, what must it feel like when they're saying, we love his gracious words? That must have felt nice. But one thing God never did do and he never did allow to happen is to fall into people's praise. And he just didn't allow the praises of people to regulate him. And as hard as it is, we can't do that either. And it is hard. And as far as considering him, Jesus expected that he would receive a warm welcome, but he did not. And the Bible says that the Lord quoted, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And his former neighbors were willing to accept him as the son of Joseph and Mary, but they recognized Recognizing his status as a son of God was more than they was willing to consider. Instead of congratulating him as a hometown boy and what a great job he had done preaching, 
That day the audience was filled with wrath and sought how to throw Jesus from the cliff. Now, what amazes me are when you read this fourth chapter of Luke, how it starts out. Here he's at his hometown. He goes back. He's starting his ministry. And then all this transpires. They want to throw him off a cliff. And the people, here he's telling them, I am the Messiah. I am the one Isaiah wrote about in the other prophets of the Old Testament. Today, this day, you know, the people in the synagogue, you ought to write this down. This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He's telling them a truth that is unbelievable. And all of a sudden, they snap, and all of a sudden, where's that cliff at? Let's take him to the cliff. But when you read later on down in the fourth chapter, here his own people wouldn't accept him. But when you read later when he's casting the demons out of people, he makes the devils shut their mouth so they wouldn't reveal who he was. That's at the very beginning of his ministry. His own people wouldn't admit who he was. But the devils was willing to admit who he was. But he would not allow them to reveal. His own people, he came unto his own. They wouldn't accept him. I'm, I, you think I'm going to let the enemy reveal who I am? It's going to be by revelation from my own people. There's no enemy. There's no devil going to reveal who I am. Not one bit. It's going to be those that hunger and thirst after me it, will I reveal myself. Think about that. The enemy is not going to reveal who I am. And it, it, it was not going to happen. He made them hush. Now, some people, what hurts, some people when they choose to follow the Lord, their family, others, friends will not accept them because they see it as such a radical move that they, they just think that you're off in a cult. You've just went off the deep end. You know, you just, you just went and all of a sudden, by the people that you love the most, you are rejected from. And I'm telling you, that hurts. When you're done that way, and people are done that way, this hurts. But God is saying, come to me, all that weary and are, you know, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And... The Bible here, it, it, or the lesson here talks about being familiar. Uh, Brother Bird has already mentioned about being familiar with something. And one, it, it just gives a, a, a familiar thing that we can do. If you go and if you happen to go somewhere, you go to another town and they have a restaurant that's not in your town, you like to eat there. And then what happens when that franchise comes to your town? You love it at first, but then all of a sudden you find out that they did a little something wrong, you know. And all of a sudden, that which you loved, it's just human nature. You just, ah, they're still okay, but, you know, really it's not my favorite. But that which you really loved at first, and it's, it's in our nature about anything. So we have to guard ourselves. When it comes to the things of the Lord. Not let the things that we are familiar with. We don't want to let, let them be taken for granted. 
and let God be uh, too familiar with us. Now, we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard, and we have to be on guard by the Spirit of God. The Apostle, the Apostle John warned the members of the church of Laodicea that they was becoming comfortable and did not realize that they was wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And the, the, the Spirit challenged them to anoint their eyes with salve that they may see. It just in, in just simple language, all John was telling them, you see on yourself through human eyes. You need to anoint your, side, your eyes of the Holy Ghost and look through how God would see you. And, and, and really, we live in this human body. So if we take things for granted and we just, all of a sudden, we're just seeing things through how we would like them to be, and that's all the, that's all the way we see them day by day and just grow to be familiar with them, then John was telling them, look, you need to see things how God would see things through you. And that's all he was saying, I believe, to them. And the longer we walk the God with God, the more we must be on guard against the tendency to take him for granted. Because God has promises for the Gentiles as well as, as, well as Israel. God promises are not just to a select group of people. They are not. This was a difficult lesson for Israel to learn. We are usually comfortable believing in God for people who share our culture and ideology. It can become more difficult to accept that God loves people, that who, it, that who, uh, it, can, it can become more difficult to believe, to believe God can accept uh, that for us to accept people that just don't look like us, think like us, act like us, you know, can God really bless them? Yes. I mean, the gospel is to everyone. Faith, faith is what it takes to receive the promises of God. At first, Jesus' his synagogue sermon was received well by the people of Nazareth. They wondered at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. But then their attitude changed. And what I didn't read in verse where the verses where he brought in um, of Elijah being sent to the woman and then uh, Elisha being sent for Naaman to the widow. Now, what really made them mad? When he was there, he got up, he quotes from Isaiah, and then the people talks about his gracious words. You read when they really get mad. Now, the Bible says, that they was filled with wrath. They had a hard time accepting that anybody else could receive something that was not of a Hebrew origin or was not an Israelite. So, in essence, what happened is God quotes two times. He uses Elijah about the widow and he uses Elisha with Naaman. Both of these, both times, both people, they was not part of the tribe of Israel. They was Gentiles. And when he said that, how dare you make reference that God would deal with somebody else? I mean, to them, 
This, this is over, uh, overstated, but you'll get my point. To them, Gentiles wasn't nothing but human kindling for the lake of fire. And how dare you just say, but then when this happened, when this happened was 870 years ago, and you bring up that they got blessings, but Israel suffered, they just couldn't handle that. They just turned to wrath, the Bible says, to the point that they want to throw God off a cliff. I mean, that's mad. That is really mad. So all of a sudden, they just get outside their self, and a Gentile receives when the nation of Israel did not, simply because they had faith when Israel didn't. So that really made them mad. They was not happy. They was filled with wrath, the Bible says. And then they refused to believe him. And the, the Roman centurion later, or when Jesus' life uh, experiences mirrored Elisha's, his own people refused to believe him. Outsiders often readily accepted his claims. Jesus later said of a certain Roman centurion who was a Gentile, I have found so great a faith I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. And they did not like him quoting blessings on the Gentiles. So, but yet he did. God's plan has always been bit bigger than any select group of people. God is for, for all on the day of Pentecost. Peter declared that his promises is, was all that are afar off, any as many, as many as the Lord our God shall call. They're not for one group of people. They are for everyone, for everyone to receive, for everyone. And Peter, believe it or not, did not even accept his, his own words, but later struggled to accept that God would fill the Gentiles with the Holy Ghost. He later struggled, and then he finally came to realization of a truth. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So here, he showed, Peter showed, nearly allowed his cultural and religious biases to keep him from participating in one of the most significant moments in the New Testament, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And Peter's the one that said it. But yet he got to thinking, we're the promised people. God's going to give the Holy Ghost to them. But yet he realized it is not for just us. It is for as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it still is. It still is. And Jesus was merely, uh, Jesus was merely given the opportunity to preach deliverance to, and uh, promised in Isaiah. But the people refused to believe. In Capernaum, Isaiah's promise of deliverance and liberty became the reality when Jesus cast out the devil of a man. Some people, you know, we can come to church. We're no different, in a sense, from every other person. We're just flesh and blood humanity. But where we need to be different, we should not be comfortable, and I'm speaking to me too, we should not be comfortable to just come to church, hear the word, and go home. But we should be, as Isaiah 
said it so long ago, now a long time ago, of what the Lord quoted when he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your words. We should be to the point to hear this, believe it, and at times see it demonstrated. That is where we are different. We are not content just to hear the blessings of the Lord. We should be content to hear the blessings of the Lord and to see the demonstration of the blessings of the Lord. It's not enough to just tell me of the goodness of the Lord. That's why I say, and I will always say as long as God gives me breath, to encourage us and me that when I come, and, and, it, I, and I say uh, come here, it's not regulated to here. Wherever you're at, wherever your prayer is, if you're on the job, whatever you're doing, God will meet with you when you need God. It's not regulated to any one location. But when we all come together of a one mind and one accord, listen, listen to what God said. When the preacher and when the one is ministering, ministers, ministers about the, the goodness and the blessings uh, of, uh, of God, it's not enough to hear it. But let's see the demonstration of what God can do. And some are just, I'm satisfied with just going home. I've heard the word, you know. But where we must be different is to actually see this word fulfilled. We have seen the, the healings, the ministry, the blessings that God has done. And it is so, I'm so humble by what I have seen. I really am. And in my eyes, I hadn't seen near enough. I want my faith to grow. I want to be stayed on him. And I want not to be settled on just hearing how good God is. Because I know he's good. But I want my faith to grow to the point that I can see more of the demonstrations of God moving. And his miracles. And see what God is doing. And to see it with my eyes. That's what I want. Because I know that God, everything he went through with all the disappointments and the hurt that he went through. And, and this, he, when he was preaching, he did not try. And this is a balance that we try. And this is a balance that, that, that we try to fulfill. It's not to offend or not to hurt anyone. But when you read after the Lord and, and hear, please Please stay with me. The Lord, uh, he rebuked the Pharisees more of anyone. Um, that was the religious sect. And you had the Sadducees. And our, our mode, our message, our method is not to be offensive. Because the Bible says about grace and truth. Grace always precedes truth. You read it in the Bible. But if you give the truth of God and you ram it in somebody's throat, that is not done with grace. But when you read after the Lord, when somebody, when somebody was crossed up to him, and you look at this how you want to. When he got mad at the money changers, and he was said, y'all hold on just a minute, I'll get with you in a minute. He was braiding the whip. Literally, they was in his house making a mockery of his house. And he didn't say, will y'all please leave? 
I'm fixing to drive you out of here. So you just look at that ever how you want to. We're not wanting to do nothing like that. Understand what I'm saying. There just comes a time, preach the Bible, the whole counsel of God, God and His Word. And we're not looking to try to hurt anybody or hurt anybody through the Word. The pendulum can't go so far the other way that we get away from preaching the truth of the Word. That's all I'm saying. Is, is Jesus, we have an example to follow. He gave us this. He gave us an example. He was rejected by everywhere he went all the way to the end of his life. From the beginning to the end, he was rejected. But yet he left us an example to follow. And so if you feel like everything you do, you are rejected in some form or fashion, then you have an example to follow. You have an example to follow. And, and he suffered way more than we ever will. And he just left us a way. He just left us a way to do it. Now, Luke recorded that in Capernaum, the people was astonished at the preaching of Jesus. His word was with power. And they even said, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. Now, he gave this power in Acts 1.8 to his believers. He says, you have this power. And when you read uh, in Luke, in the fourth chapter earlier, where it talks about Jesus returning from the end of his um, testing, and he proceeded with power. That's the same power as God gave his disciples in, on, in Acts 1.8. That's the same power. So it's not something that God gave us a lesser version of. When we receive the Holy Ghost, he gives us what we need to overcome the enemy. It is not something that's just going to make us have just enough of to tremble and and. And, and just be in a state of confusion all the time. That's not the case. We're still human. We still have human flaws. But what I'm saying, God has given us what it takes to overcome that. For we're just body, soul, and spirit. And but ever in area in every area that we're in, we have the ability to overcome. And when others reject us, and they're going to. Um, we have, uh, we have an opportunity. I'll close with this. Um, it has one, one less. I mean, one thing in the lesson here. It talks about a boy. His father was just one of those that just went about. Um, he just traveled from ranch to ranch and worked with horses, and the. The family always struggled, seemed like to make ends meet. And the boy was just tossed from one school to the next and seemed like his, um, his education lacked. He was frequently interrupted and he was just constantly re relocated from town to town. So when he was a senior in high school, the teacher asked him to write a paper on what he wanted to do when he was older. He responded by writing a seven-page a manuscript describing in detail what he planned to do one day. He submitted a paper. He was very happy with it, and but he was surprised when the teacher returned it 
and gave him an F. Um, he was puzzled and he finally asked the teacher, why did you give me an F? And the teacher responded, your dream is unrealistic for a boy in your situation. The teacher suggested that he resubmit the assignment with a more realistic version for his future. Now, he thought about it, took days to consider, and finally he went back to the teacher and said, you can keep your failing grade, and I will keep my dream. And today, Monty Roberts is a highly successful horse trainer and is the owner of a large ranch in California. We're all going to be rejected. We're all going to face rejection. And, and you know at times, we're probably going to make them true because we're just human. But we study from a person who has rejected it What we need is found in here. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that hurts more than to be rejected by family. And God came into his own, and his own received him not. So when you take and you feel the pain of rejection, you feel like you've done, you feel like you've done the, what God has called you to do and you hadn't seen or felt the response that you felt like you should need, don't think you're being held back or, or, or whatever you may feel. Don't give in to your flesh because it is literally just a part, and I'll say it this way, it's just a part of our spiritual life. And God has given us the ability to overcome it. And because we are going to be rejected. We are going to be. But God is going to give us the strength, the anointing, and the power to overcome this rejection that we will face. And it is going to hurt. And, and I can't imagine, and I know I've already said it, but at the end of his life, and the people that were slapping him, ripping his beard and say, guess who done that? Guess who you think that was? Who was it that just slapped you? I don't know what it must, I really don't know what it must have been like. But when we get to the point that we are at, regardless where you might be in life, God has a solution, and that's his presence. And it's always here to help. God bless you. Let's stand and close. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.